your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the 2020 champion of SB Nation College Football Podcast Hunger Games. That's right, here we stand before you today, still alive as an institution, mostly because people just kind of forgot to to tie up those loose ends. Yeah, they, weren't, we, they, uh, they weren't very long. Nobody found us on a balance sheet and decided that we needed to go, so here we remain. And fortunately for you, because who else is going to talk about Maryland football for you in in July? No so one. we're like Milton and Waddams at the beginning of office space. <laughs> they before just, they made the correction. They've forgotten to fix the glitch. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we have yet to be... And hey, look, every Friday I wait for that email, but when it doesn't come, that's when it's most likely to happen because you're less likely to cause an incident on the weekend, right? So <laughs> let's get right into it then. Burn this, burn this comment section. Set this comment section on fire. <laughs> I told I was allowed to listen to my fight song at a reasonable volume. Uh, <laughs> it remains an understatedly great movie. Even, what, 20? It was 99 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so let's get to it. Um, I believe you have my trophy. <laughs> Not if you're mailing, we don't. Uh, remember how after two games last year, everyone was like, oh man, Maryland's good now. Guess Nick Saban rubbed off on Mike Loxley after all, turned him into one of his, his favorite disciples. He's out there just recreating Bama in the nation's capital. Look at this powerhouse. Uh, just, just kicking ass and foot and crab cakes. That's what seventy-eight points on Howard and beating the crap out of number twenty-one Syracuse. Yeah, not at all a paper tiger themselves. Um, and I think again, I, I, we, I could have gone back and listened to the episode we did after that. But would it really be like us to do research? I think we advised some caution at the time, but it was an impressive result. Uh, in the heat of the moment, very easy. Well, what we said was, it. dude's batting a thousand on two at bats. Okay, so yeah, it's like it's the Chris Shelton effect. Like, did he hit seven home runs in a, basically a week? Yeah, was that ever sustainable? No, no, of course not. Is Jeff Francoeur currently <laughs> the best baseball player of all time by any metric? No, <laughs> no. So there you have it. Um, but as a result of that, two weeks into the season. They started hyping up their coming matchup with Penn State, like, to the max. Like, they canceled classes, if I remember right. They built overflow oh, yeah, seating. Was, was it, like, Thursday or a Friday? Or? I think it was going to be a Friday night game. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they built temporary seating. <laughs> they, and, and then they went. And then before that game happened, they had another game to play against Temple, and they lost. And, then, <laughs> and then they, they lost really stupidly, too. Like, I, I, yeah. they, they had... Uh, if I recall the details of that game, it was decided by, like, a red zone turnover that was not even the first one of those. Like, yeah. it was a game that, like, they, they probably shouldn't have won, but they also had opportunities to, and they pissed, it, pissed them away dramatically. Yeah, well, I, I thought there was a series where they ran, like, nine plays from goal to go and didn't score yeah. like, any points yet. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's probably hyperbole, but... In any case, they lose the Temple game, and then Penn State does come, and they just rub Maryland's nose in it. It was 59 nothing. It was over, like, 10 minutes into the game. 
our poor Maryland colleague was like, yeah, it's halftime. I'm drunk. I left. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably yeah. going to too. Why would you stay? Uh, uh, the, honestly, you know, at the very least, the last time that happened for me, that kind of thing happened when it got hyped up. We hung in there until the fourth quarter. Are you really talking about that North Carolina game again? No, I'm just saying, I can't imagine what it's like to, to, to wake up the Echoes and then have it go this wrong this fast. Was that, a, was that the Mitchell Trubisky season? Yeah. Boy. So you had your hopes dashed. And, you know, you're probably an unusual Illinois fan in that you root for the Packers. I would imagine most of your brethren are Bears people. Actually, a lot of them were Rams fans and are no longer NFL people. Understandable. Well, if you're downstate, yeah, I guess yeah. you probably just reflect, reflexively hate everything associated with Chicago because you think you'd be able to form your own state without it. Have you heard that bullshit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went to uh, U of I. I knew ag engineers. Yeah, trust me. Sure. So, in any case, it is an interesting uh, cruelty, perhaps, that Mitch Trubisky having smashed Illinois' optimism with the sledgehammer of his terrible mustache, would then go on to be the Bears quarterback who they traded up to get over Watson and Mahomes. Well, actually, we were okay with the North Carolina loss. What I think wiped wiped the optimism away was uh, getting held to 10 rushing yards by Western Michigan. Sure. That, uh, (laughs) anyway... So after that, we're trying to give you a little bit of a palate cleanser from talking about a 59-0 loss to Penn State, who I think some Maryland fans still fancy could be a rival of theirs. Um, Memories of of the no-handshake 20-19 victory fresh in their minds because they've had no other good memories since then. Whatever you got to cling to, man. Although, again, this is not a program that doesn't have other good things going on. Basketball, lacrosse, women's basketball. Um... You can easily just flush these football memories away by letting the time wash them on out to sea. Um, there really is not a whole lot to tell about last season after 59 nothing. They basically hit the sim season button after that. And you know, like, I can't be alone with this. Like, you get to a point where, like, you lose some game in a frustrating season, you're dying some more, you're like, fuck it, sim season, and then it starts coming up, L, L, yeah. L, and yeah. you're like, no, 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 and you like, turn the PlayStation off. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, you get, and like, like your, recruit, your recruits have gone to like, I don't know, like Northwestern or something, like, I don't know, like, oh, 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 okay, yeah. Fine, 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 I see how it is. I'll just win with this three star, fine. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's like, and then, you know, then, then like, Guys that were going to be important get injured, and <laughs> yeah. So because honestly, like, look, after we after that high point where they beat Syracuse, they look like a, the hot new spread power. I think Maryland might have been ranked themselves when they played Temple. After that Syracuse game, one win the rest of the season. That was against Rutgers. Uh, I mean, they made a couple of middleweight division foes in Michigan State and Indiana sweat a little bit. But, I mean, they got whitewashed by Purdue. They got their asses kicked by Nebraska. Like, they're losing to bad teams by a lot. And I'd be interested to do a deep dive of it's happening moments for, like, (laughs) more of them programs and how they turned out. Or just all the Texas is back moments. Like, that could could be a 30 for 30 in itself. Just Texas is not back. You know, much like I always want to see when when someone was referred to on a broadcast as a future Hall of Famer, how many of those people didn't make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, depends on what like what broadcasts, because you know, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 
So the offense for Maryland last year sputtered a lot, as you would guess, from a three-win team. Kind of like Rutgers in that the passing game was, for the most part, pretty darn useless. And a lot of their stats overall were really inflated by a couple of non-conference games where they had pinball numbers. Um, Maryland did have a couple of big-time playmakers with Anthony McFarland and Javon Leak, but those guys are both gone now. Um, they, they also did one of the things that, to me, is the surest death knell of the program, which is fired a coordinator after year one. Yeah. And they replaced him with two guys. <laughs> so... Boy, can it work? I guess. Like, you can point out, like, I think Clemson and Alabama have had co-coordinators once in a while. <laughs> but they're different, for different thing. reasons. For different reasons, yeah. Because they have, like, 12 former head coaches sitting in a film cave as analysts. Like, the, the actual coordinators are really not putting the whole thing together. It's much more of a production than Maryland is bringing to bear right now. This is a bad sign. Make no mistake of it. And that, I, I'm not saying that it's... A decision that didn't need to be made because their offense was bad, but that was Loxley's guy. He came presumably the be- the guy he wanted most, the first guy he well, hired. It's a bit like Lovey Smith cutting ways with Hardy Nickerson. It's like who's really the offensive coordinator? You came in as the defensive mind of the, you know Loxley came in as the offensive mind, right? His whole thing, he'd been an offensive coordinator in Illinois. He was the head coach. He was brought in the offensive coordinator at Alabama. So like, yeah, somebody else is the offensive coordinator. But he's the guy that sets the direction for the offense. Yeah, for sure. Right? So, like, he's firing his offensive coordinator. Like, well, is he going to say, oh, that guy did some shitty things that weren't authorized by me, but now, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a good sign when the side of the ball that your head coach is supposed to be good at is so bad that he has to fire his coordinator after year one. That's a real bad sign. I mean, at the, at the very, I, I don't know if it's better or worse to just not replace them and be like, I am also the coordinator. Or, or at least declare yourself a play caller. Like, I look, yeah, last year was bad. I am taking full responsibility for this instead of the guy I just sacked. Right. Um, anyway, they're going to have a season. didn't punch him. <laughs> true, true, true. He can always do that. Um, they have some interesting position battles. Again, you know, at running back, they do still have Tayon Fleet Davis, who has had some big moments. Because the thing about I mean, Maryland has had some weirdly explosive rushing moments in recent years where they'll have like multiple running backs go over 100 yards on a few carries. That's because they do, they get incredible athletes still. Yeah, Maryland always has one to two like elite NFL athletes floating around in the offensive skill positions. No, no, no matter whether they're any good or not. In yeah. fact, the worst Often they are. when they're not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stephon Diggs, DJ Moore. <laughs> Vernon Davis. Um, Darius Hayward Bay, for God's sakes. Uh, yeah, no, they, they always have a few excellent athletes. Um, it's going to be an interesting quarterback room. Terrell Pigram and Max Bortenschlager, who is somehow still eligible, both transferred. So you've got Josh Jackson, who played most of the season but was pretty ineffective for the most part. A guy who, man, think about when he came out of the scene at Virginia Tech. Yeah. And he was looking like the next big dual threat thing. He has fallen quite a bit since then. Because then Virginia Tech, prior to that, had always reliably had a dual-threat quarterback. You yeah. had, like, Logan Thomas, Tyrod Taylor, and all those guys. Yeah, even back to the Vic brothers. So, um, boy. Josh just... Jackson was going to be the next one of those guys. And then, 
We it broke, all fell apart so fast. We broke his leg, didn't he? Yeah. And he was just never the same. I mean, Virginia Tech, I think, basically replaced But him. they also didn't really have an effective replacement. So it's not even like... It yeah. seemed like it would have been wide open for him, but... It was a strange situation, and it, it remains that. So they've got Taulia Tagovailoa coming in from Alabama. I don't remember... I couldn't... I looked briefly, and it's not clear to me if he's immediately eligible or not. I don't think he would be. Because Tua was a true junior. I think Taulia is at least two years younger. He's going to have to get a waiver. There's no way even a place like Bama could slap a degree on him in the year or year and a half he was there. Also, I don't know what good it would be for him to play right away. Um, yeah. Given, <clears throat> I mean, given that he was a much less heralded recruit than was Tua. And He's maybe more of a developmental process. I think he was still like a four-star, though. Um they do also have Lance Lejean, the guy they plucked away from Florida State in a recruiting fight, I think, who I believe redshirted yes, last year because they had a pile of quarterbacks. So they have some interesting options here. they got to figure out what they're doing. And how they're going to keep those quarterbacks living. Yeah. You know, it's the offensive line will be interesting, too, because they had a couple of, I think both of them were redshirt freshmen last year. Jalen Duncan was highly regarded as a left tackle. You expect, having played a whole season as freshmen, they're going to make substantial steps forward. But they have a couple of pretty good guards that are gone now, so they have to replace those guys. And their center spent part of the season hurt. So I also want to note, like now that we all finally got comfortable saying Tagovailoa, um, are you excited about that new Clemson quarterback? DJ Wigalele? DJ... I believe. Wigalele, okay. I haven't actually heard anyone say that, but I believe phonetically that's how it would go. I just... I saw that and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, like my brother-in-law and I were talking about about fantasy football. And he was just, and I was like, oh, yeah, you mean that If you have a chance to Wiggly. him and you don't do it, that's a big mistake. Dude, we should just call him Wiggly. Wiggly. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wiggles. No, that's the... I had a, a Hawaiian-descended classmate in law school who told me he looked like no matter how long it is, Samoan name, Samoan Hawaiian names are actually not difficult. You just take it two letters at a time and just say them two letters. And I was like, oh, actually, I was, since I haven't had a problem with them. They're... I actually was next to some uh, some friends of Michael Ho'omanawanui in the stands who, who were like, we love that you love our dude, but here's how to pronounce his name. Yeah. They never put that apostrophe in there. And in, in the NFL, they continued to not do that. So, yeah. so he had a great nickname, which was Uh Oh, <laughs> that never caught on in the NFL. Yeah. Well, my understanding is you never, you don't skip letters. There are no silent letters. Right. So you you got to say them all. Just just take your time. <laughs> it might take you a minute. Um, yeah. But anyway, all of which is to say, what? what oh, right. Tower by Low is here. So uh, he's. I don't know. Again. In the current circumstances, it feels like it's going to be easier to get waivers than it normally would. Um, I didn't see anything indicating that he's going to be immediately eligible, but he's not their only option. Um, looking around again, like we mentioned, Fleet Davis is an interesting running back. They should be okay there. They've got pieces on the offensive line, such that it might not be a total disaster. The receiving group, though, you've got a couple holdovers. Dante Demas was okay at times, but... What you're really looking forward to if you're a Maryland fan is, does Rakeem Jarrett become the next big-time Maryland receiver? On a shitty team. On a, well, <laughs> you maybe you don't hope for that last part. But um, he's he's certainly a prospect worth getting excited about. Um, 
the question, of course, with the big-time freshmen is how ready are they going to be to play in actual offenses? Because even even with the 7-on-7s and the IMG academies and all that, a lot of high school offenses really are seven or eight running plays with one pass play. <laughs> that's, that's as complicated as, as some of them get. Um, I don't know where he's from. Maybe he's like a Texas kid or something, and that's a little more sophisticated usually. But counting on big-time contributions, even from these elite recruits is not a great thing to do in football. But that being said, receiver is one of the positions where they can come in and make the yeah. biggest difference right away. Um, yeah. Honestly, really, the only places where they can't, the most difficult is the offensive line by far. Yeah. And then you have defensive, defensive interior defensive line everyone and then always, linebackers. Everyone always says the farther away from the ball you are, the easier it is to play right away. Right. Sure. I have no problem believing that. Um, I'm all in favor of seeing more exciting guys. I mean, even though, like, for example, I have no particular affinity for Purdue either way, but Rondale Moore is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. David Bell is a hell of a lot of fun to watch. I am all for teams having exciting guys. I just, you know, I want to win. So <laughs> I, yeah. I like some more of those exciting guys on my team. I haven't had a whole lot of those in the last few years. Anyway... It feels like the whole time Maryland has been in the conference, we've been saying something like this, but the defense needs some work. Um, the line in particular has basically no proven playmakers. Uh, their best defensive player is probably Allende Ely, uh, the linebacker. He had like 70 or 80-something tackles. Um, Antoine Brooks left for the NFL early, so in the secondary, they're going to have some youth. They have had some good prospects there. For example, Nick Cross was a big get for them last year. Right after they hired Loxley, they grabbed him. So the hope, I guess, would be that he's ready to go now. Um, But in general, saying stifling Maryland defense is a lot like saying explosive Michigan State offense. Like it's not that it's never been true. It's just that to say that it's a weird. It raises eyebrows. It's uh, it's it's a little dissonant hitting the eardrum. So, um, looking at the schedule then, um, Tozen is a win in the opening game. At least it damn sure better be. Um, NIU is historically not a gimme. They haven't been their usual selves the last couple of years, so that's probably doable. And then there's a road trip to West Virginia, which will be very intriguing. Um, I think Neil Brown is an excellent coach, so you probably would have preferred to play them last year as opposed to this year. But the schedule is what it is. You play them when you play them. The problem is the crossovers are tough, and the two difficult crossovers, Minnesota and Wisconsin, are both coming to you. They're good enough teams that those are probably ones you'd honestly rather have on the road, figuring you're likely to lose them anyway. Right, because you get an easier home game. Yeah, if you're a team. Northwestern is a road game. Where you will have a decent chance of outnumbering their fans, even though you're Maryland and the games in Chicago, basically. You convince, you convince Chicago area Maryland alumni that it's a basketball game. Yeah, just trick them. Just trick them. Just trick them. Yeah. Tell them it's an exhibition against DePaul or some shit. And My trick- goodness. I mean, few football games would resemble basketball less than Northwestern versus 2020 Maryland. Jesus. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the other thing about the schedule is it's, uh, it's backloaded. November's going to be November's gonna be pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Um, Nothing lasts forever. At Michigan. At Michigan. Ohio State at home. At Penn State. Michigan State at home. 
And no, I, look, Michigan State is no longer in the same class as those first three schools. There's still probably going to be like bashing your head against a rock for the next couple of years. There's still going to be some defensive pieces that make it really difficult. It's going to be the last game of the season. With those crossovers, it's very possible Maryland's not going to be bowl eligible. Might not even be able to get to a bowl with a win against Michigan State. So, eh, right, do you show up for that game? I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it could be difficult is all I'm saying. And uh, Boy, I just, honestly... If you told me, if you asked me, who's more likely to succeed, Loxley or Shiano? Shiano. I'm saying Shiano. Yeah. I never liked the Loxley hire. No, he's we done, didn't understand he's it done at all. Very little to convince me that I was wrong to think that. Yeah, it hasn't been a disaster yet, but he's also basically done the kind of things that we thought he would. He's recruited great. That's never been his problem. And then from an administrative standpoint, again, I can't get over the fact that an offensive-minded head coach had to fire his OC after year one. I it's just, not a like, thing that definitely leads to failure, but it certainly is a good predictor of failure. No, it's like it's like going into the doctor's office and saying, hey, when I get cut, I can't stop bleeding. Like They don't know for sure that it's going to be a certain thing, but it, it sure points in one direction, doesn't it? Well, it, it's like when you fire, you know, when, when your response to being investigated is to fire the people investigating you. Like, okay, something's broken. Yeah. So, all that being said, as with Rutgers, we have a considerably happier topic to pivot to, and that will be a topic of Maryland hoops. Started last season with probably the most talented roster in the conference. Um, you know... From a physical standpoint, they actually took a little bit of a step back from the previous year because they lost Bruno Fernando, who was, again, just just an absolute physical specimen. Um, Enormous man. Yeah, went in the first round as he should have Philadelphia, I think, at 23, maybe? Um, But again, the, the perennial worry for Maryland fans is that they've consistently had plenty of talent to win conferences, to go deep in tournaments, and Mark Turgeon has consistently managed... To, to staple his own dick to his own leg. Well, I thought if I were a Maryland fan, I would have been really happy when Maryland, Illinois was coming down to the wire and it was basically, here's two coaches. One of them is going to do something really <laughs> stupid. I remember you being so strung out when that happened. Yeah. You were like, this is going to be the dumbest thing no matter how it turns out. And yeah. I was like, easy, easy, well, yeah. easy, Steve, easy. Because it was a tie game and both coaches had timeouts left it was one of those ones where it was like it could end in any number of ways, and I knew it was going to be decided by a coach doing something stupid, and I desperately wanted it not to be my guy, but I'm sure Maryland fans were at this point already <laughs> resigning themselves to, this is going to be our guy, isn't it? Oh, my God. And no, it, it would Underwood blinked. Yeah. But to be totally fair to Turgeon, he made some systemic changes this year, this past year, that really helped. Um he seemed, first of all, and maybe this is just my impression, but he seemed to play a much shorter rotation. Um, Maryland has always had star caliber players. The, a big issue they've had in the recent past is how does Turgeon handle his rotations and substitution patterns? Because a lot of the time when they go more than a guy or two into their bench, things get bad in a hurry. Uh, and, and Turgeon let that go on for long periods of time. And he basically is like a Pokemon trainer that's trying to to get <laughs> all of his like lower-level guys and experience, <laughs> rotate them into the fight, and, oh, oh shit, I, I lost. 
I guess I shouldn't have left Metapod in there against the gym leader. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's fair to say that Turgeon did a substantially better job of getting out of his own way, especially by leaning on his stars. And coaches will sometimes get criticism for this. I mean, the last couple of years, it's been, it was an ongoing saga for MSU. Like, can we get Cassius Winston even 30 seconds of rest when Foster Lawyer is the backup point guard? Um, Occasionally, yeah, they have been able to. Now they have Rocket Watts, they have another option. But again, but at the same time, it's a similar debate, you know, for Maryland, which is, do we play Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith 39 minutes a game and just hope that they hold up over the season? Or do we try to get them a little bit more rest when the margin spreads out and risk the game becoming competitive or going against us? Because, yeah, when you have guys like that, yeah, you have to balance you know, how, how much you save them for when you really need them, and also how much you ride the fact that you've got those guys yeah. and everybody else doesn't. Yes. So every second you spend on the with those guys on the floor is a second that you're better than them. Yeah, that was ultimately my conclusion with Winston most of the last, certainly the last two years, really even the year before that, but the last two years when he was the unquestioned star. Well, I mean, because now I've, I've watched a couple of years where, where you know, there's, there's a certain player that when they're not on the floor, it's like a power play for the other team. You know what I mean? And you're just, yeah. like, like you shift from, okay, let's get the lead to, all right, let's weather the storm. So let's try not to let them eat more than five points of plus minus. I, yeah, like, that's how that goes. <laughs> I, I would routinely post from the champagne room, weather the storm, when uh, whenever, like, I don't know, like, three of our starters would come out five minutes into the game for no apparent reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, um... Turgeon did a much better job of that, and the results played out. Maryland was at or near the top of the table, basically from start to finish. Um, about the only thing you can say to criticize them is, down the stretch, they did, they lost just enough games to allow Wisconsin and Michigan State to force their way into shares of the title. Maryland still shared, got a piece of it. And, you know, I, I've gone back and forth on this. The shared title thing no longer matters to me. I mean... If you're in your team's building, for example, and you look up and they've most of them have the banner that has years you've won the conference on it. And if you're thinking about something more than a year or two out, if you're a Maryland fan, you're not going to look back on that and say, oh, I hate that fucking title. We should have had it to ourselves. And instead, that same years on the banners in Wisconsin and Michigan State's gyms, like you still won. And because of the number of the small number of games involved here, ties at the top are pretty common. Well, of course, this is also a special year, so that's all you have on the banners. Illinois and Rutgers have nothing on their banners for this year. No, and that's, yeah, I mean, that's Dude, obviously, Iowa, it's obviously better than nothing. Yeah. So yeah. I Because, I mean, yeah, we'll never know if, uh, if new Mark Turgeon could have been an effective tournament coach, will we? Well, not with that team, and yeah. kind of, that's you, kind you, of... You talk about, you know, team, schools that blew a... a, a generationally good team on this canceled tournament. I mean, Maryland, even though they, you know, they haven't had droughts like, uh, like Rutgers and Illinois, but still that's one of the best Maryland teams coming into the tournament that I can remember. Since Grievous Vasquez, definitely. Um, <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. It definitely still bums me out when, I mean, I haven't watched. So the first month of the shutdown I was watching BTN's marathons of old games, like, a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. And, man, games from this last season featuring MSU bummed the hell out of me because it turned out 
that senior day was the last time I ever got yeah. to see Cassius Winston play for my team. That that fucking sucks. Yeah, it's, I, I could never do it. It hurt so much for that season to end the way that it did. And there were a lot of teams, like regardless of how the Big Ten tournament came out, there were a lot of teams in the Big Ten that had every right to think, we are in position to do something really special in the tournament. Now, obviously, not all those dreams would have come true, but they probably, like, you're really t- looking at this conference and telling me there weren't three Elite Eight teams? I think there probably would have been. There were, yeah, there there were teams with, with depth, with stars, you know, yeah. with, with guys that were getting national acclaim. All of, and and you had like Iowa in this boat. I mean, Wisconsin surprisingly effective. Penn State. I mean, Penn State. Oh my God, Penn State! I, I forgot about Penn them. State and Lamar Stevens, who's going to go down as one of the most beloved players in their program's history. Like, it is man. It obviously like it, on the one hand, in the context of everything else that has been lost and will continue to be lost, it feels so petty and small to care about this kind of thing so much. But when you spend as much time on this as sports fans do, you become invested. And the la- you know, seeing a Lamar Stevens or a Cassius Winston or an Anthony Cowan walk off the court for what turned out to be the last time like this, it it profoundly sucks. Well those I mean because those are the memories that you know, we think, you know, that, that, that are important to us that we look back on. And those are also the memories that provide the foundation for things that we look forward to. That's been one of the most, that's been one of the reasons that I've really been going crazy here these last few months is because with everything canceled, there's just nothing to look forward to. You can't count on looking forward to next season. (laughs) Wait till next season is not something you can say with any certainty. Will it happen eventually? Yeah. Andrew's here in his Detroit city FC shirt or Jersey. I mean, we had a season that was supposed to start two years or two months earlier than our season did last year. But at this point, we'd be well into the NPSL schedule if we were still in the league we were in last year. Yeah. So again, uh, yeah, that was just stuff that I used to look forward to, and now it's just like I don't even know what time is anymore. Dude, it days mean nothing to me. It's just, the only question is, do I have to get up and work or not? Because <laughs> it's not like I go anywhere. Um, you know, I, this has been my big day about town, going to the grocery store and then coming here. So, uh, speaking of looking forward, though, um, there's a, there, there are some question marks here for Maryland basketball. Um, this team has big off-season questions to answer. And the first is literally that. What what are we doing for big guys here? Um, Jalen Smith played a ton of minutes, as he should have, because he was incredible. Um, with him gone, though... It sure would help if the Mitchell twins were still on the roster. And I look, I don't need the context from Maryland fans of, well, it turned out they were jerk-offs and they weren't, you know, they were clashing with the team. I understand all that. What I'm saying is you needed bodies like theirs on the roster. You don't have them. And then Ricky Lindo Jr. also transferred. Not that he was all that great of a player. Like, it was still plans that you made that didn't pan out. And now the bill is going to come due for that because really... Your only holdover big is a, is a really big, big, a seven foot two guy in Chol Marion, but he barely played last year. Um, you're counting on a quantum leap forward from him. Um, they did also go out and get a transfer from Alabama, Galen Smith. I think it's Galen. It's G A L I N. If that's Jalen, then why wouldn't it just be a J? I don't know. Um, Galen or Jalen Smith, who's going to help, but no one is going to mistake him for Jalen Smith. <laughs> 
Um, what if it's G. Alan Smith? I refuse to live in a world where that combination of letters could be pronounced in that fashion. Um, so the front court's going to be a problem. And even with the departures across the conference, um, boy, if you don't have big bodies in the Big Ten who can bang, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Just, I mean, the next two teams that we're going to talk about are proof positive of that. Um, that being said, the guard rotation is a little bit in a little bit better shape, even losing a once in a decade player like Anthony Cowan. I mean, I say once in a decade, but Maryland did also have Mer- Melo Trimble this decade. The thing is, there's there's not a determined star quite like him, but there are still guys who have proven themselves. I mean, you still have Ayala, there's still Marcel and Wiggins. Um, even Sorrell Smith, who's further down the bench but has had his moments, you can confidently put together at least a one, two, and part of a three with that group. Um, for me, the big key for Maryland next year is going to be Dante Scott, who, as a true as a freshman last year, contributed as he was really a third option in some situations behind Cowan and Smith. But they're going to need him to take a huge step forward. I would think with the composition of the roster, they could look at doing some small ball lineups with Scott as their five man. Um, Defensively, that's going to be tough, but it would play into the strength of the roster. So they'll have some interesting, again, (laughs) things to figure out. Um, As we sit here in June, it feels as though the basketball transfer carousel has slowed down a little bit. It's certainly considered or continued substantially later than it normally does into the offseason because, again, of circumstances. But it's been a while. I mean, for a while there, it was like every other day. It was like so-and-so transfers, so-and-so leaves X team, and it just felt like things were more fluid than they had been before. Um, that being said, there's not a whole lot of help here. Um, they've got a transfer from Boston College who has to sit, and their other recruits are a couple of guards who are outside of the top 200 nationally. So expecting immediate contributions from any new guys is just not going to happen. They've got to have the holdovers from last year take big steps forward. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I, I, man, I, I, I just keep getting to thinking about how how likely it is that we don't even have basketball start on time. Or um, at all. That'll be... We'll see. Um, I think... Yes, I think that's that's certainly a possibility too, unfortunately, because if you can't have students on campus, how do you have any fall sports? Um, so yeah, on time, I, starting it on time is certainly in question. And if, if you don't start on time, do you consider just jumping into a conference season? And if you do, how the hell do you pick at large bids for the tournament next year? <laughs> You remember when people were talking about, oh, well, they could just have the NCAA tournament in May. Well, first off, oh, yeah, no, that wouldn't have been any better. And second, in order to start it on time, you have to be starting off-season activities, you know, a few months in advance. Yeah. I mean, so that's why football is already in danger now is because we're not too far away from when they would be doing fall camps. Yeah. I mean, even in these off-season workouts, certain teams have had plenty of cases. Um, I don't know what it says that 
Clemson has had like 30 players test positive. They don't seem bothered by it at all. Is that really the level of, of, of ruthlessness that you have to have to get to the top of this sport now? And if so, I, do I even want that anymore? I don't know. That's uh, certainly one more thing to think about. So anyway, Maryland, sorry to say you, you should probably should probably look forward to a cross season instead of basketball next year because the odds that they're back at the top of the table seem pretty long. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off tackle, Empire!